0: You have a revenue shortfall largely ca- caused and created by the pandemic. We need federal relief. It should be focused on those states that need it the most. And New York is one of those states that needed the most.
1: Hi there, it's WAMC News Director Ian Pickus. And on this episode of the WAMC News Podcast, my latest conversation with the SUNY Chancellor Jim Malatras. He's just wrapping up his first semester in the job, and it's a semester marked by challenges, including a couple campus shutdowns and widespread COVID-19 testing. I spoke with Milatros Thursday afternoon. Uh, chancellor, it's coming up to the end of uh, your first full semester as chancellor. If you had to give yourself a grade like you would do your students, what would the letter be?
0: Incomplete, Ian. It's just the start of my chancellorship. I don't feel like I've accomplished all that much yet but we're on a good path of getting a lot of good things done so it's an incomplete until we get more done
1: my understanding of the incomplete grade is that it's a placeholder until you finish an assignment later and then the professor goes back and makes an adjustment so what is left undone
0: well we have i think successfully gotten through this fall semester especially when it comes to managing the COVID crisis we had some Early issues that we dealt with, I think aggressively and came up with a set of uniform standards, but in a way, it's not really the Chancellor who did that. it were the students and the faculty and staff on the campus all across our system that made it happen. so I get it incomplete for it because it's not really my actions, it's their actions. I just helped guide it along, but I'm looking forward to moving forward in the spring semester and making sure we can keep our campuses safe, um, uh, our students and our faculty and staff safe on our campuses, but then transition to other things like how do we improve graduation rates, how do we get our enrollment up because now more than ever you need more education, not less education for the job market, how do you do those things in an affordable, quality-based way. Those are the things we're pivoting to now, so it's an incomplete because we really just started going on those those issues.
1: You sent home all of the students with a a negative test or else they had to quarantine before leaving right around Thanksgiving. Uh, Are you guys tracking how uh, students are doing now that they've gone home? Potentially some of them had COVID, uh, many of them didn't, uh, and they won't be coming back until February 1st. Are there any check-ins happening in the intersession with your students, or does that all happen when they start to come back for the spring?
0: Well, I think our campuses have been checking in pretty regularly with the students through communications, whether it be emails or even staff calling and checking in on individual students. I know my staff here, our student advocate, Dr. John Graham, is one of the really just innovative leaders that we have in SUNY. He makes a lot of wellness call check-ins himself personally to students who may have contracted the virus or is having issues with mental health or things like that. So I think that's an ongoing thing for many of our campuses. Um, We're trying to give back as much as we can in this really unusual time. I know Thanksgiving, for instance, was really tough for many students. I mean, some of our students didn't go home, right? They were on campus because they either contracted the virus and they had no place to go, or given the economic um, issues out there right now, without a a dormitory or a roof over their head, they really wouldn't have a place to live. So we try to give back by doing meals and things for them. My my family and I went to SUNY Oneonta to, to meet with students who were still left on campus uh, for Thanksgiving. So I think we're doing everything in our power to continually check in with our students um, You know, as these next couple of months are ongoing. And by the way, we're still in the middle of our... We're just finishing our semesters. They're mostly remote right now, but our faculty and our staff are still engaged with students because we've transitioned from in-person to remote learning fully.
1: Now, um, Governor Cuomo and many other uh, public officials were really warning people not to travel too much for the holidays, not to have the gatherings. Um, Is it your sense that the program you put in place to test students as they were leaving um, and then, you know, not bringing them back until uh, February 1 or right before then, did that have the effect that you were looking for? Has that worked?
0: I think so. I mean, we were able to identify potential cases of COVID that would have gone back into the general community, right? We tested At the end of our semester, right now we've tested nearly 600,000 students, faculty, and staff over the course of this semester. So that's a lot of tests. For the Thanksgiving exit testing that you mentioned, we tested 153,000 students and faculty. 0.6% of those came back positive. So we were, although that's very low, that's good. That still means that we had several hundred people who tested positive in the system. We were able to isolate and quarantine and work those things out to make sure they weren't infecting other uh, family members or other people in their communities as they went back home. So I think that was a successful um, move on our part and an important move because we wanted to protect the larger communities from which we are all from. And I, you know, I still think taking extra precautions, we still send messages to our students um, that You still have to socially distance. You have to take all those precautions of wearing your mask because this isn't over. You can still contract the virus just because you tested negative one day. Doesn't mean you can't become exposed to the virus and test positive a few days later. So it's that constant vigilance that we've been sort of instilling in our student body and our faculty and staff over over the course of the past semester. And I think those messages have resonated. And I think the exit testing was a really important way to keep the virus from spreading any further, uh, even though, as you see across the the nation right now, Now it's a problem, but I think in this case our our students did a really good job of civic duty and responsibility in keeping the virus at bay from going home.
1: Mm -hmm. Now you know in the run up uh, to getting a testing uh, regimen in place, you know even going back to March and April, SUNY was um, at the forefront of New York's efforts to uh, get emergency uh, drive through testing uh, arranged, but also to do the testing through Upstate Medical uh, that you were just talking about around the state. Um, As we get closer now to a vaccine and the focus shifts from just positive or negative tests, but rather getting people, you know, inoculated, how will SUNY's role change in all of this?
0: Well, first of all, it's going to take a while to vaccinate hundreds of millions of people in this country and tens of millions of people in the state of New York. So testing is going to be an ongoing strategy for some time. And I think Upstate Medical University, by the way, they're saliva test that you're mentioning that we use here, that innovation created right here at SUNY, Dr. Frank Middleton and his team, number one saliva test in the entire world when it comes to catching and detecting the virus early, before people are symptomatic, which is how we see most of the spread happening today, number one in the world. Out of all the tests in the world, nasal swabs or our saliva test, number six. SUNY is producing state-of-the-art innovation you can be able to use that for future infectious diseases as well. But we're still managing the crisis today. I think testing is going to be an important strategy for some time to come because not everyone's going to be able to get vaccinated right away. Second piece is we're actually part of the active clinical trials on the vaccine. The Pfizer vaccine, which everybody's talking about, which is being discussed today by the FDA, SUNY Upstate Medical's chief uh, officer of, of infectious disease, uh, Stephen Thomas, Dr. Stephen Thomas, is the principal investigator for the entire vaccine for the global Pfizer vaccine. So we're focused on the testing, but we're also focused on turning the page into the vaccine as well. SUNY's playing an integral part in both of those pieces.
1: Can you say more about how that works operationally and, and how the system is being used?
0: Well, you take the innovations in the intellectual firepower that you have, and you harness it into meeting the, the, ch- the challenges uh, in society. You have SUNY Upstate Medical, who has been innovators in testing all along, working with the private sector in order to develop state-of-the-art testing, which we have. Then you produce the capacity, which we've been doing. So now we can do up to 200,000 tests a week. We've done nearly 600,000 on our campus since the beginning of the semester. Then you take that scientific firepower, intellectual firepower, and you say, OK, we're focused on monitoring the virus. How do we focus on basically getting rid of the virus through a vaccine and making sure people are inoculated? They focused it on that. But not just that, not just SUNY Upstate, too. We still have... Uh, researchers all over our system now doing things with COVID that we really haven't been able to mention. There is a great faculty member, um, Carlos Simmering, from the Stony Brook University, who's been mapping using big data and supercomputers, what they call the spike of the virus, which is how does it clip onto cells in a person's body to actually make the virus spread within the body? They are doing work They've been doing work since the beginning of the virus to see how does this virus actually move within a body, connect within a body, and then impact the body. All of those things from soup to nuts has been happening all across SUNY campuses from the beginning, and now it's bearing fruit. We came up with the number one test in the world, the number one saliva test in the world. We're leading the, uh, the the state-of-the-art vaccination program working with Pfizer. So right here, I mean, it is a proud moment for public higher education. It's a proud moment for a chancellor who just came in new to see all of the great capacity that we have to be an integral part of our society.
1: Uh, let me move on to another uh, subject with you, and that is this um, free online training center that SUNY just announced this week, um, which is heralded as uh, something to expand Access to higher ed for people in New York uh, to get them on the gate, um, you know, through the gate to college. Uh, how does it work, and what does it do?
0: So it's a really exciting program. I'm, this is why I gave myself a little bit of an incomplete. In there's a new campaign Fair. that we just kicked off, which is SUNY for All, which is to tell um, New Yorkers and then beyond New York, there's a place in college or higher education for you, whether you're an 18 year old graduate right out of high school or if you're a working class. A parent who just lost their job or you never tried college in your entire life, but 30 years after you graduated high school, you want to get a chance at a new career. We have something for you. We have a college campus for you, but we wanted to give you some positive momentum. So we created, we just launched an online training program, which will provide free training and certifications to New Yorkers who want there to get a chance and their foot into higher education? So, especially people who aren't necessarily college ready, we're offering college preparation courses for free. If you didn't get your high school or your g you didn't get your high school diploma, but you want to come back to maybe go to college, we'll for free allow you to go through a high school equivalency or college uh, or a, a program to get your GED, and then we're providing certifications in areas for free to New Yorkers in critical need areas now, like pharmacy or home health aides and other areas to get them excited about the potential of a new career. And after they are done with that certification process, the free online training process, so we can reach, uh, why I like online now is we have centers all across our state, but given the current environment with COVID. Sometimes we're not reaching those folks. So I want to be able to reach rural New Yorkers, and I want to be able to reach urban New Yorkers and suburban New Yorkers. After we reach them and they get a, a chance at a free college experience, we're going to say, you've done, you've done well. You're now automatically admitted to any of our 30 community colleges or Empire State College, which offers bachelor's degree. You automatically get admitted. You've done well in this free online program. You can get automatically admitted to enrolled into one of our programs. And we'll even waive some of the fees like application fees, which are barriers for people to continue to give them that chance at a better life. I'm really excited about this. The orientation is a little unusual because people say, well, my God, you're offering something for free to people. But For us, the value is give people a little enthusiasm about the experience, get them excited about the potential of doing better in their lives, give them a little taste of what it is to accomplish something, and then you really unlock the doors of opportunity through opening higher education doors. And that's what we're really excited about with this new program.
1: You mentioned a little earlier that uh, part of your goal is to increase enrollment. So is this directly tied to, to that effort?
0: Absolutely. Well, absolutely. First of all, you have about four and a half million New Yorkers right now of working age who have some college or no college and no degree. While 70% of all new jobs created needs some sort of post-secondary credentialing. There is a skills mismatch of epic proportion. We are not meeting the needs of our workforce demands. We're not meeting the needs of our industries and our new companies and our new biotech companies, and our new healthcare companies. We have to close that skills gap, and the way to do it is this way. You need to get enrollment up in places, but you also have to make it on uh, people's terms. People are not necessarily used to the college experience because it's a a scary and foreign thing to them. So part of what we're doing is not just um, creating new free programs. We're reaching it directly out to New Yorkers. We're saying to them, we'll go to you. If we want to give you flexible online programs, that might be better for your life. We can work around your schedule. The more we can do that, the more you can destigmatize sort of that, you know, people in that castle, those academics who aren't focused on solving real life issues or giving people real chances at careers. And I think once you destigmatize that process and once you go directly to the citizens themselves and say, we have a benefit for you and you demonstrate return on investment. I think that would pick up enrollment across our board because it, we're showing value to society because we're connecting people to jobs ultimately.
1: Um, just one more thing, uh, semi-related to this, um, I know you're I'm in really touch. am really
0: excited by this, Ian. I'm really excited by this, as you can tell. I can't this tell. It's a really exciting program for us.
1: Um, you talked to the governor, obviously, uh, he this week has been um, warning of, you know, severe cuts facing New York um, if a federal coronavirus relief package doesn't come through. Uh, what's your understanding of the state of the Excelsior scholarship going into next year right now?
0: Well, I think the governor is saying it right. You have a economic, you have a revenue shortfall largely co- caused and created by the pandemic, We need federal relief. It should be focused on those states that need it the most. And New York is one of those states that need it the most because real lives are at stake here. It's people accessing higher education to be trained for a job. It is our police and fire and our health care workers. So we need that federal relief and we need it desperately. And I think the governor is exactly right. And I think that Legislative leaders have joined the governor, in that, and I think they're exactly right on saying we need more federal aid. I do think we're going to do everything in our power on in, in the higher education sector if reductions must come because we don't get that necessary aid from the federal government to protect core programs that protect access to college. So scholarship programs, the EOP program, programs that really give Um, New Yorkers a chance at enrolling in college we're going to protect. So we would take reductions and do everything in our power to take reductions in other places in order to protect that fundamental affordability proposition to New Yorkers that they can still go to college even in tough times because this is a time where you need to be enrolled in college now more than ever. So we don't want those individuals to lose out just because they don't have the economic means to do so.
1: It sounds like you've already um, triaged this uh, game plan uh, to a certain degree. If um, you're going to protect those programs, um, what's on the chopping block?
0: Well, you know, you can always find ways of reducing costs, and that's something that we want to focus as much on the core academic mission as possible. There are p- programs that we're reviewing now that has a lot of overhead. There's a specific program that provides adult learners um, access to free education here, which I really think is an important thing. But we also spend a lot of money in like private leases, for instance. Well, let's do away with the private leases. Let's focus on putting those programs on campuses where we currently have a lot of um, uh, space for people to be served and then focus on core academic mission. It, that means we're going to have to take a hard look at what we spend our uh, fund funding on and we always have to prioritize what is important to us and you've seen us doing that even in tough difficult economic situations. This fall we expanded mental health services to every one of our students on campus because they needed it in this covid environment they needed it being isolated. So you have to prioritize your uh, budget around those things that are the most important. So we're going to take a deep look into all of those areas to see where we can reduce our costs but protect our core academic programming because ultimately it's about our students. Uh,
1: What's on your Christmas list? My Christmas
0: list is to, well, on my Hanukkah list, I guess, Ian. Yeah, fair enough. I would like to go spend some time with my daughter, Ella, and my son, Max, who have been phenomenal through this process. Um, They're great kids, and I want to spend a little time with them.
1: That's SUNY Chancellor Jim Malatris. Uh, Always appreciate the conversation. Let's keep it going uh, later this year and into 2021.
0: Thank you. Happy holidays, my friend.
1: All right. That does it for this episode of the WAMC News Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Ian Pickus.